Well, once again, thank you so much to all of those who have helped to put our worship service together um, for our liturgists, for our uh, Wesley Choir, for our praise team, for Gary Brubaker. Thank you so much. As we continue in this series on the music of faith, because music does tell the story of our faith, whether those songs are hymns or praise songs or whether they're songs that we hear on the radio. The hymns that we're looking at through this series uh, will hear some of the stories of how or why they were written, um, who wrote them, and what they have to tell us about our faith. We'll listen to Oh for a Thousand. We heard about Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing, How Great Thou Art in the Garden. It is well with my soul and amazing grace today in the garden. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I think that it is hard um, to talk about gardens without talking about Pastor Bruce James. Pastor Bruce was the pastor emeritus here at Faith. Um, I don't know if you can see the garden in the back there, um, but it's right next to the shelter house. Um, he was one of our master gardeners, uh, growing so many different things in that garden back there. To know Bruce is to know the gardens, or at least the fruits of the gardens. I remember on my very first Sunday here, um, Pastor Bruce asked me what kind of vegetables I liked, which at the time seemed like a, a very random question, um, but I learned what that meant. Um, because soon bags of vegetables showed up on my desk, on the deck, uh, in my hands, they were everywhere. And then not only were there my favorites in there, but ones that Bruce thought that I needed to try or ones that maybe tasted like something else. Um, not, only, um, not only were the vegetables or the food itself there, but also instructions on how to cook things. So you cook it like this with a little butter and salt and pepper, or like this with a little butter and salt and pepper, or like this with a little butter and salt and pepper. I think you get the, the drift. There, um, there was so much love that was grown in and harvested in each batch that he made, that he grew in that garden. And then there's Greg Mokros, who is another one of our master gardeners. Uh, last year, Stephen and I planted a garden for the first time. And I have to admit, um, I have tried to grow things before and it doesn't go well. Um, some people have a green thumb, mine is not green. Whatever the opposite of green is, mine is pink, I don't know. Um, but I do not have a green thumb. And Greg said, don't worry, we got you. And so we planted, we went and picked out the plants that we wanted and we planted them in the garden um, and, and we planted what I thought was broccoli. And then Greg came up to me one day while we were in the garden, he said, your cabbage is growing really well. And I said, well, that's really funny because we didn't plant cabbage. And he said, oh, and your Brussels sprouts are coming in really well too. And I said, also really funny because we did not plant Brussels sprouts. And he said, well, sometimes that happens. And um, so then we planted tomatoes and um, it did not go very well in the beginning. And one day I came out to the garden and found that he had replaced our tomatoes, our dying tomato plants with fresh, more living ones. Um, and I said, what did we do wrong? What can we do differently next time? And he just said, you know, 
Sometimes that happens. And then when our zucchini grew to ginormous sizes, I said, what did we do? And he said, sometimes that just happens. And so I learned a lot about gardening from Pastor Bruce, from Greg. Sometimes it just happens in the garden. Now this hymn is one that is probably um, most people's favorites. Uh, if you were to list, you know, the top 10, this would certainly be on that list. Uh, it's requested at most funerals. Um, I have sung it with folks at bedside when they're sick in the hospital or in their last moments here on earth. And so many of us have so many different memories associated with it. In the garden, and he walks with me, and he talks with me. This hymn was written by C. Austin Miles, who was not a theologian, but was a pharmacist by occupation. Um, and he wrote nearly 400 hymns. I think sometimes we think that in order to follow God's call, we have to be a pastor or a theologian of some kind. And yet we follow God's call wherever we are, as a pharmacist, as a hymn writer. Miles lived from 1868 to 1946 and wrote In the Garden in 1912. It has been included in more than 200 hymnals. In fact, it is the most popular hymn that he wrote out of all 400 of them, In the Garden. Now, his, um, I think it was his granddaughter, maybe it was his great-granddaughter, said that the story behind the hymn is this. Um, he wrote it in a cold and dreary and leaky basement in New Jersey. <clears throat> The apartment that he was in didn't even have a window, let alone a view of the garden. Now that is not a very romantic view of how this song came to be. And it's not how maybe you would think about it. You know, our, our hymn, um, uh, How Great Thou Art, talked about this beautiful imagery of how um, they saw this and, and that's how the hymn was written. And, and with this one, you're in a dark and dreary basement not quite the spiritual experience I would expect. I also don't know that I would expect this to be written by a pharmacist. And yet, and yet, here we are. Sometimes our inspiration comes in many different places. Sometimes our call is lived out in so many different ways. Sometimes we're inspired by memories and imagination. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. So let's start at the beginning. In the beginning of the Bible, we start with the book of Genesis. And the book of Genesis begins with a beautiful poem celebrating creation. And when we read the Bible um, and we read this poem of creation, in the very beginning, it starts in the garden or in a garden. It's full of plants, it's full of animals and human beings. It is full of potential. Now the Hebrew verbs throughout the poems of creation are progressive. If you were reading in Hebrew, you would get the sense that, 
that this creation, this garden is going somewhere. And so we start in the book of Genesis chapter one and two, where the story of our soul starts. And sometimes it just happens. Now, for many people, they think that the story of our soul starts in chapter three of Genesis, which is the story of the fall, but it's not. It starts with creation going somewhere. Now, when you read a book, um, do, you, do you flip to the end of the book to read the ending after you've read the beginning? Or when you're watching a movie, do you fast forward to the end? You know, maybe to make sure that it's gonna turn out the way that you want or that you don't waste your time. What about the Bible? Have you ever read the first part and then gone, hmm, I wonder how this goes at the end and flip to Revelation? Or have you read Revelation at all? Um, because sometimes Revelation is a challenging book to read so when you go to Revelation, how does it end? Revelation 21 ends in a city. And what is a city but a complicated series of gardens? So if there was nothing else that you read in the Bible, nothing at all, and you read the first part of the Bible in Genesis and you read the last part in Revelation, you would begin in a simple garden that is progressing and end in a city, a complex garden. This is our story. And of course, there's not just those two places that gardens come up throughout the scripture. Gardens pop up all throughout scripture. And some may argue that that's because it was an agrarian society um, or agriculturally driven. And that's what they know, and that's very true. Um, so, of course, you'd have these images of sheep and grain and um, gardens. You would have these images of what people know. But I think that there is something more to it as well. Now, for those who don't know what the end of the story is, every time the garden image comes up throughout Scripture, it's a reminder of what was in the past and what's promised. Ah, yes, we're going somewhere. It's not going to stay the same. There's more to come. And so if we follow these stories, and if we follow the stories of Jesus and his life, there are gardens there too. Jesus uses these agriculturally driven stories, but there were, there were two stories in particular about gardens. Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he had been praying, take this cup away from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Now, why is this significant? I think this is significant because humans who were in the Garden of Genesis said, I think that I could be equal to God. I'll do my will, not yours. And so this picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane reminds us of a different way to tell this, to, to live the story. And then there's our story for today, the story of Jesus' resurrection. After Jesus is crucified and resurrected 
and the women come to the tomb, who is Jesus confused with? But the gardener, the one who tends the garden. I mean, it's not wrong, right? There is a garden and it's going somewhere with a gardener who invites us to tend to the garden. And then there's this complex garden at the end. This isn't just a random story. This is our story. It's the story of our soul. It's the story that tells us who we are, body, mind, and spirit. And it's not just a story that tells us as individuals, it's our story, it's a communal story. So how do we grow? How do we grow in this garden? How do we grow this garden? Well, sometimes it just happens. And sometimes it takes a lot of work. Sometimes it's with a little salt and pepper and butter. The truth is in the garden that we're growing with Jesus Christ, we start by being rooted in Christ. Prayer and conversation, growing in our knowledge and discipleship of Jesus Christ. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. We're rooted in the teachings of Jesus, rooted in the stories of our soul. And through those, and those seeds take root and then we grow and we blossom and grow, bloom and grow. And the way we here at Faith United Methodist Church have been doing for the last 170 years, for 170 years, we have been working on this mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, of showing our faith to ourselves and to others, building a church, more than a building, building a community, building faithful disciples, growing things in the garden, not just the literal garden, but in the garden of God's creation. We're going somewhere together. Now, maybe you've already written some of those, um, some of those memories or things that you want to remember. And if you haven't, um, you can share those in the comments or write them on a piece of paper and uh, mail them to the church or send them in a message of things that you want to remember. And we will create our own little garden of these memories. Maybe it's been um, relationships that you've made, lifelong friendships. Maybe it's been mission trips that you've been on or classes that you've continued to learn about Jesus. Maybe it's small groups that you've been a part of or the walks to Emmaus that you've been on. Or maybe write your hopes and dreams of what will continue to grow together. Or maybe where you might be called to, to help something or someone grow. Because we're going somewhere. We've been growing for the last 170 years and we're not stopping now. We'll continue to grow together. I'd stay in the garden with him, though the night around me be falling. 
but he bids me go through the voice of woe. His voice to me is calling. We may rest in the garden, but we don't stop there because it's going somewhere and we're going with it. We're growing with it. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known thanks be to God